Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today, we sit down with the co-founder of Custom Cones USA. Custom Cones is the leading custom-branded and specialty pre-rolled cone supplier in the cannabis industry. Specializing in custom-branded and custom-sized pre-rolled products, Custom Cones works with major brands all across the United States and Canada. And so without further ado, let's jump right into it. Harrison Bard, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Michael. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, right on, man. Thank you for taking the time for us today. Um, Harrison, I mean, kudos. Custom Cones is known everywhere. I mean, I think at BizCon, you guys had a pretty sick booth. So kudos and congrats on all the success you guys have had so far. Um, what's the like? What's the story? What's the evolution here? Were you always in cannabis or did you jump in from another industry? It'd be cool to kind of hear you know, your story and, and path that kind of brought you to where you are today with the company. Yeah. So haven't always been in cannabis, but for most of my professional career have been. My first job when I graduated college was at Amazon. And when I took that job opportunity, one of the criteria was that whatever professional job I take after graduating was in a, a recreational cannabis state. I wasn't too interested in Oregon. So for me, it was either Colorado, California, or Washington. And when I got that Amazon offer, it met that criteria. So I was like, all right, I'm set. That's the plan. So I had a cannabis idea in college. The original concept was a cannabis derived rolling paper or a blunt wrap, so to speak. So I wanted to do this, um, invent that type of product, but knew I you know, still needed to get a job and figure out how to do it. Hmm. So my intentions was always to join the industry, um, but started off in like a corporate environment. Gotcha. Okay, cool. What was that? I'm just curious. What was that first job with Amazon? Was it something like anywhere remotely related to what you're doing right now or? It's remotely related to running a business because essentially it was like anything and everything. So a lot of people think big companies have it all together. They know what they're doing. Not the mm -hmm. case at all. <laughs> Sometimes like the bigger the company, they less they have their stuff together. So the role that I had was um, an account manager type role. So if you're a really big business on Amazon doing over, um, I forget the limits, but like we're doing tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on in revenue on Amazon, you could pay Amazon to have a dedicated Amazon employee help optimize and just optimize your account, get new programs set up, increase profitability, reduce out-of-stock rates. So we did a little bit of everything. I personally was in the power tools category I, my biggest vendor was Makita, the Japanese power tool company, and we helped them on anything in regards to Amazon's launching a new like PPC paid advertising program. How do we get them involved? How do we optimize and set up their account? We would look into their out of stock metrics. Okay, these are the top items that are out of stock. How can I work with Makita or my other vendors on ensuring that they could be in stock more often? These items are more or less profitable. How do we increase sales of the more profitable ones how do we help them you know reduce any issues on their end if they're shipping things wrong to the warehouses help them adhere to amazon's way because anything you do wrong amazon's nickel and diming you and taking mm -hmm. money away from you so just helping their account overall from marketing finance out of stock um, inventory metrics all that interesting so then how did you go from there to co-founding custom cones was this like an evolutionary thing where it kind of took you know it took some time or did you just like jump right into it and you were like no like this is exactly what i know needs to be solved for the industry right now i see the void i see how it could be filled amazon's got some good systems and processes let me grab some from them and just you know put this this monster together 
No, not at all. So I'd say it was the typical entrepreneurial journey, which means it's not typical. Yeah. Um, we had to pivot. So I would the the Amazon program we were in was for was designed for entry level people just graduating college, and in that two week orientation period, I met someone else. You know, we were introducing ourselves. They had raised their hand and said, "Hey, when I was in." high school, I created this app that was scraping like eBay data and, and was helping you figure out like what to bid on or what was profitable to sell. And I got a cease and desist letter from eBay. This was, um, this is my co-founder, Frederick Rating. And I was like, okay, like this guy's entrepreneurial. It yeah. sounds cool. So then we just connected. He was into weed. And every day after Amazon, you know, we'd hang out with between ourselves and the group of friends that we met in that program and just started smoking and talking about getting into the cannabis industry. I had told them about my idea and we were like, let's do it. So there was a period of time, maybe like six months in to Amazon, where we were like every day after work, we would work until like six o'clock at Amazon, get home, eat dinner, and then just work on this business concept. And then we made the decision as soon as we reached our one year mark, which is when certain things vested, you wouldn't have to pay back the relocation bonus, we would quit. So we both quit on the same day, super scary. Looking back, it was dumb in the sense that we did not like our business concept was to make this cannabis derived blunt wrap. We didn't know how to make it at that time. So, you know, some people say that's maybe a little bit too early to quit and launch yourself into a venture. And then on the flip side, people say you kind of have to cut the cord and not have like an escape route or a plan B. And I think that definitely helped us because we had no plan B. We were we took all of our time and money, all the money we had saved up from Amazon, we had invested into figuring out how to develop this product. And it was through not having a backup that we ended up starting Custom Cones USA. So not a typical startup journey in the sense that that obviously that idea is not what we're mainly working on today. We still are pursuing that. But what we realized was the capital expenditures to make cannabis drive papers in the millions of dollars. And since you can't do interstate commerce, you'd have to set up a multi-million dollar paper making facility in each state, which has the yeah. capacity to provide paper for the whole entire country. So not exactly economically feasible right now, but through that venture, we ended up talking to certain people. So we did end up making this paper. We were um, in a licensed producer processor in Washington manufacturing this paper. And then we started talking to other businesses saying, we have this weed wrap how do we get you to use it in your pre-rolls? And mm -hmm. companies were telling us, that's really cool. It needs to be in a cone shape. This is my machine. This is how I make pre-rolls. If it's not in a cone shape, I can't make pre-rolls with it. So we're like, okay, let's get a cone making machine. So scouring the internet, trying to figure out how do we make cones. And it turned out that pre-rolls are all handmade. The biggest factory is in Indonesia. There's a lot getting made in India, a little bit in China and other overseas markets like that. So we were, were shocked. We're like, wow, okay, this is a handmade item. Definitely cannot be importing and exporting cannabis between those countries in the United States. So we were like, damn, all right. So it's pretty hard to make cones with the weed paper. You know, maybe we could roll them here in the US or we could figure out a machine. But at that time, it was pretty clear that there was no machine. And the company that we had reached out to, the pre-rolled cone manufacturer in India said, you know, explained that to us and said, hey, but do you want to help us sell cones? You know, we're here in India, we need help. We don't have like the footprint or like the sales and marketing chops to get mm -hmm. to all these US customers. 
So this is where having no backup and running out of money was really helpful. It forced us to just take any opportunity that we saw. So we're like, yeah, sure. You know, we had nothing else to do. So we put up a website and slowly orders started coming in. At first, and the reason why the company name is Custom Cones USA is we only did custom branded cones. So everything was made to order. And we had companies calling us up saying, all right, custom cones is cool, but I need 50,000 cones today. What do you have in stock that's blank that I could have today? And we were like, nothing. We, we don't, we only do custom cones. So then we were like, yeah. okay, let's try to get some unbranded inventory in. And at this stage we were working in our apartment. And so we got unbranded cones in our living room, in the hallways, in the closets, everywhere. We just started storing inventory. And then we were able to fulfill those orders because there was an immediate need for a lot of customers. And then the business kept growing from there. We started going to like literally every single trade show we can go to, every sort of cannabis event in the local Seattle area. And we just absorbed everything. We started to find the latest machines, the best machines, um, new packaging options, and anything customers asked us for, we kept that in mind and we just tried to find it as we learned more about the industry and went to more trade shows. So we ended up first starting with custom branded cones, then adding unbranded cones, then we were actually the first B2B cone company to offer hemp wrap blunt cones. So we developed that. Um, you People were able to buy blunt cones through Cyclones as like a consumer product, but no one had been doing it in the B2B space. So we actually beat Futurola to launching the first uh, blunt cone. And then we just started finding like the best grinders, the best cone filling machines, and then all sorts of packaging options needed for pre-roll companies. That's amazing. So it really just started out from a simple like an actual custom cone. And then from there, you were just kind of listening to the market and what it needed and slowly just slowly but surely just adding to it and adding to it. Yeah, yeah. Like the two big lessons they always try to teach you in entrepreneurship, be willing to pivot, which we were willing to do. There was a point when it was pretty scary to say, okay, this original concept, you know, you kind of become attached to it. It becomes your baby right. to just abandon it and be like, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to pivot. Um, so it was very scary but something you have to be willing to do and then listen to the customer, you know, that by talking to customers, a lot of people are too scared to tell people their idea. So if we were too scared to tell people that we had made a cannabis blunt wrap, we would never have found out it needed to be in a cone shape because we would have just been sitting in our place, scared to ask producers, how would they use the product? Yeah. And then we just continued to talk and listen to customers to figure out what else did they need? What other challenges were they facing in terms of creating pre-roll, scaling their production, making new SKUs? Um, and that's been our focus ever since is really on just listening to the customer and trying to help them. Yeah, that's amazing, man. The one thing that kind of come, like, comes to mind too was like, that must be so sick. And I'm sure you guys have pictures of the apartment just like stacked up with cones throughout the whole place, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Got, and it was messy. Like we were not cleaning anything, you know, we would eat at our desks, sleep in the apartment, obviously, but and it's it two guys that had just graduated college. So it was, it was messy, but like the, when you see a movie and it's a bunch of people eating pizza, sleeping on the floor, like it was pretty close oh, yeah. to that type of environment. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just picturing like boxes and boxes of just like, like pre, like just cones that are just pre-rolled but like they're still in their boxes and like that's mm -hmm. the kitchen table for the week until you move it out <laughs> and now you're like all right cool i guess we need a table now yeah yeah and then we then we moved from the apartment to a storage unit so no windows 
no heating, no, you know, anything. So it was super, super cold in the winter and then really hot in the summer, no bathroom connected to it. You know, I had to walk outside and go to like the community bathroom in the uh, storage unit complex. So I started off there and then just kept growing really slowly. Dude, that's amazing. I, I, I love stories like that where they just start out like with no serious like investor backing and it's just like, okay, no, we actually grew this thing. And a lot of times that's how you know that a business is actually sustainable and you're actually solving a problem for the market when you're able to just do it in a grassroots type of way. Uh, personally, I just love stories like that. But anywho, I wanted to um, kind of dive in a little bit on the current state of pre-rolls in the market and just kind of get, get your perspective on it. Um, I feel like a while back, a lot of consumers were like, oh, pre-rolls are filled with shake. It's just, you know, boof weed, whatever. But the more and more that I've been listening to what consumers are saying now in today's market about pre-rolls, I feel like they, a lot of brands have seriously stepped up their game between infused pre-rolls, um, putting in actual flour, not just shake or trim or anything like that. What's kind of been your take or just kind of like what you've been hearing from a lot of customers um, like on the direct to consumer side, I know you do a lot of B2B, but just from consumers and even from yourself too, like how have you seen the the pre-roll market kind of shape and take take shape differently in today's market versus like five, six, seven years ago? Yeah, no, it was definitely the case that when the industry first started, pre-rolls were an afterthought and it was a great mm -hmm. thing to put your waste material in. Any shake and trim, any excess stuff that you know floated to the bottom of your work trays, put that into pre-rolls and make money off of it. That was definitely the sentiment when the industry first started. And so a lot of customers, they're not stupid. They could tell that this is a low quality product. It didn't taste very yeah. good. If the potency tests were accurate, you could tell it was less potent than the flower would have been. But that's definitely evolved. There has always been some companies that set out with the mission to make incredible joints. And that was few and far between, you know, years ago. And now companies are leading with pre-rolls. The, the most, uh, the, the company in Washington that sells the most pre-rolls, that's all they do is make pre-rolls, juicy joints. So there's some companies that base their entire business model off pre-rolls, and they're just making sure that they create really high quality products. Yeah. And then we actually just did a survey. So we did a, a white paper on the whole pre-roll industry with headset last year, and cool. then we're doing it again this year. And we had asked people what type of material they use to make their pre-rolls. We surveyed over 300 businesses or 300 businesses replied this year and just trying to get the information pulled up. But 79.9% say they're using full flour now and 30.5% 30, 30 are using a blend. So you could choose more than one answer because another question we had was how many brands do you have? So it's mm -hmm. very common for a company to have multiple brands for pre-rolls. And they do this typically because they want to have a high-end pre-roll product, which is going to be your full flour or your infused pre-roll. And then mm -hmm. they do want to create a more value-centric pre-roll product. Well, they'll put, you know, C buds and B buds, which is still high quality, and then they will blend in some trim and shake. And there's some utility in, in blending in trim and shake. Um, if you're using an automated pre-roll machine, stickier the material it is the more difficulty the it will have for the machine to run so a lot of people are like having to put in some of that leafier material to help keep it from gunking up especially if you're making a tube shaped product with like a modified cigarette making machine mm. you need the material to be fluffier and, and to fluff back up and if it's too sticky it'll just condense into a rod 
But yeah, we're definitely seeing way more companies produce full flower, higher quality pre-rolls, and customers are definitely responding to that. You you know, in America, people value convenience, you know, instant coffee, canned coffees, all those drinks are blowing up now. Um, Anything grab and go is super popular in the U.S. because people are super convenience driven. So we've seen pre-roll sales really grow over the years. Yeah, that was one thing that I was I was thinking about as well. I think especially as more states roll out their adult use programs, you start to see people go from, you know, going to the homie to get whatever, and then they just take care of it at home, whether they just roll it up themselves for the week ahead or whatever it may be. But now they're kind of, they're walking into dispensaries and they're like, wait a second, I just, I could just grab like a five pack of dog walkers and I'm, and I'm good to go. I don't have to like waste my time at home doing this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, for some folks, and I've had conversations with people about this, where it's almost like they've just been so used to doing it themselves that now when they walk in, they're like, oh, wait a second, there's an option for this. And to your point, it's that convenience factor where they're just like, hell yeah, like, let me grab two or three just to try them out and see what they're like. Um, and then from there, they end up, you know, trusting the brand, trusting the product. And then they go from just getting one pre-roll to maybe like a pack of five or something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, there's there's definitely an aspect of pre-rolls are really social. You'll typically break out a joint and pass it amongst a group of friends. If you're going to a party where people are smoking, joints is a good option to have. And I was talking to someone who's been in the industry for forever, where I was like a little surprised that they were picking up big multi-packs of pre-rolls because they do have that connotation of it's a lower quality product. But he brought up a good point. He's like, dude, like at a party, I'm smoking five to 10 pre-rolls like easily that would take me you know 10 20 30 40 minutes like to roll all of those up is like i'm not gonna be sitting anti-social at a party rolling joints for an hour like i'll just break it out and i'm sharing it with people so yeah if you're being social and you're gonna be smoking many many joints during a party with a bunch of people it's hard to compete with getting a nice high quality multi-pack of pre-rolls and then there's certain things that you can't make or are very difficult to make so like an infused pre-roll is really mm-hmm. difficult for a consumer to make on their own. You first need to buy a you know, full gram of concentrate, which could be like 50, 60 bucks. And then they're so difficult to handle. You know, you need like special tools. They're so sticky. It's, it rips the paper a lot of times when you're trying to spread it. You're not going to spread it evenly if you're just smearing it on the paper. So you'll see it canoe in those areas. Or if it's not spread out that well, it won't all combust. And so you're kind of wasting some of the concentrate. So buying an infused pre-roll is something that you really can't make at home where it is pretty simple mm-hmm. to just pack your own cone and then now there's pre-rolls with like wood tips and glass tips and hemp wrap and those are much more difficult to roll um, even if you've been smoking for years so that's something that you could buy that you really would have difficulty making at home yeah now i'm not i'm in north carolina so i'm not in a rec state but um or medical state for that matter geez <laughs> um but do they actually sell pre-rolls with glass tips in them yeah yeah so there's a lot of companies that hand roll them and then we just um it's been for like a year or so but we launched pre-rolls with glass filter tips already rolled in them so we have them both in tube shape and cone shape uh the cone ones fit in like every standard cone filling machine from like a knockbox to a king cone or any other type of machine so those are super scalable the glass tip is already rolled into the, the cone pop it in the machine and fill it up just like you normally would and then, yeah, we've come up with all sorts of shapes and sizes and combinations like a two gram hemp wrap with a wood tip or a one gram thinner size with rolling paper and a glass tip. 
And then we have those in stock for customers to start off really easily, or those could be enhanced with a custom cigar band, custom color, glass tip, and all that. That's sick, man. So like that also brings us to another question that I wanted to bring up. So when it comes to custom cones, how would you say, especially as being being one of the co-founders, how would you say that custom cones really differs from like other um like pre-roll suppliers or or um yeah, just just pre-roll suppliers in general? Yeah, so we view ourselves as a one-stop shop and the like the preeminent experts in our space. So there's a ton of everything stores where you could buy all sorts of cannabis packaging from your Mylar bags to your concentrate containers to pre-roll cones. And they mm -hmm. sell like anything and everything. And they don't offer any level of expertise or guidance throughout that process. Whereas we only sell pre-roll stuff. So compared to like a marijuana packaging, if you reach out to our sales team, we can tell you about grinding, about sifting, about why your pre-rolls might be too harsh or why you're not getting a good draw on it. We could tell you, if you tell us how many pre-rolls you're producing per hour, our sales team will be like, mm, that doesn't sound like you're the most efficient, could ask questions to figure out what you're doing and maybe how to optimize that process. We can help you scale from a really small operation all the way up to a huge, you know, vertically integrated MSO where you want complete automation throughout every step of the process. So compared to just a general packaging store, we're going to offer way more variety and types of pre-roll products where it wouldn't mm -hmm. financially make sense for them to have as many pre-roll SKUs and as unique niche type of items as us. And then we provide a lot more expertise. And then there's other pre-roll companies, but they don't focus on as much stuff as us. So like, of course, Futurola, you know, one of the first B2B cone companies, but they really only focus on cones and then they have the knockbox machine. But there's not much else there, whereas, you know, we'll focus on the grinding and the sifting. We have packaging. Funerola doesn't really focus on packaging, so we'll have a, a lot wider range of packaging options. And then we're super focused on customer service and educating the customers. So a lot of people will come to us and they'll have either bought from another pre-roll cone supplier in the U.S. or they'll try to go direct to India or Indonesia. And then they'll come back to us and being like, I messed up. I need your, like, I appreciate your guys' help now. Like now I understand mm -hmm. that, you know, we're really strict in terms of compliance. So we test everything for heavy metals, pesticides, and microbials, which is, you know, the baseline for phase three testing in California, which is pretty mm -hmm. strict. And if it passes phase three testing in California, it'll most likely pass everywhere else. And then even in those fringe cases where it doesn't, our compliance managers, you know, privy to what's unique in each state market and what's okay and per Health Canada regulations. So we really provide a deep, deep knowledge and, and guidance in terms of how to do everything related to pre-rolls up to the compliance. And then quality is a, a big concern for pre-rolls. If you're using an automated machine, if the pre-rolls weight or size is not perfect, that machine won't work. And then you have like a $300,000 paperweight sitting there and staff that can't produce a product. And, um, yeah, just the paper quality matters too, in terms of making sure all of that's compliant and traceable and of the highest quality. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. And then on that note too, like when it comes to actually like building a business and like, as you and your team are building out custom cones, it seems like you guys have a, a, a lane or a niche of expertise and you really wanted to hone in on it and be not just a supplier, but also a, you know, 
super customer service forward company and brand. You wanted to be able to, you know, quote unquote, consult with your, with your customers and the brands and the businesses that you work with, not just, you know, sell or just like one off a product in that light. I'm sure you've had a lot of people come to you and be like, you know, well, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? How do you kind of keep your blinders on and not fall victim to that like shiny object syndrome of like veering off your path that you know you've paved for yourself um, and just sticking to what you know best? Because I, I feel like that's something that so many people that are building businesses struggle with today. It's hard. I mean, it takes discipline because we go to every show and people approach us too. Um, we're always finding cool new things or people are showing us cool new things. And we're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to replicate Custom Cones USA and do everything that we do, but now for concentrates, because concentrated traits are super popular. Right. But then you just have to stick, like if you, it's like a little cliche coming up with like the mission and the values and all of that. And like the beginning parts of the startup journey, they say to start with that. And well, it is important. It's not like the most important thing when you're really first starting, but having that foundation in place helps keep you guided throughout that process. Cause I mean, this, this came up just the other day, like, you know, we have the opportunity to become involved in like a more generic cannabis packaging website, but we had to really think about it. You know, is, is that going to help grow custom cones USA? And is that going to play to our strengths or, are we just going to overextend ourselves and distract ourselves and allocate resources not appropriately? And so it's just discipline and, and being confident and focused in on that vision. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And so Harrison, I always, I always love to wrap up these episodes and, and conversations with a question for the guest of, you know, what's one thing that you feel like you've learned in cannabis that maybe you wouldn't have been able to learn working in a more mainstream industry? I would say the science. Um, cannabis is really scientific. You know, there's a lot of chemistry involved, especially in terms of like the analytical side. And then when people are getting involved in concentrates, you're typically talking to like a PhD or someone super well-versed in chemistry. But, you know, we've really become scientists throughout this process as well, trying to educate ourselves on the science of grinding, the science of sifting. Like when we're we're learning these things for the first time and then trying to teach our customers. And so, you know, we'll learn like, what is the difference between the type of grinder that we offer versus the shredder style that like is like the, the weed whacker style. And then we learn about high RPM versus torque and ge heat generation. And how is that going to degrade cannabinoids and terpenes? And then when we were looking into sifting and the importance of sifting, we started doing research and found articles from the pharmaceutical industry where they're mm -hmm. saying the flowability of a powder in terms of making a capsule or, or pill is incredibly important. If you have a more uniform particle size, those are going to flow more evenly and faster throughout your manufacturing process. So when they're making ibuprofen pills, there's like a certain range of particle size they're going for. And then you can make that analogy for pre-rolls. If you have a uniform particle distribution, it's going to flow smoothly from, you know, your bucket into the pre-roll machine, into all the cones, having that particle size be accurate and uniform is going to make them a more accurate and uniform weight. So help you with less rework and make sure your pre-rolls are compliant. So just picking up science, you know, we've learned a ton about paper science on the, the paper making side, as well as, you know, how does it burn? What affects flavor? 
there's a ton of myths out there. Like every time we're at a trade show, we tell people rice paper is a lie. It's a marketing gimmick. And people are like, I've been smoking weed for 30 years and I love rice paper. And I've convinced myself rice paper is the best. And you're now telling me I've been fooled all this time by like just a marketing tagline. And we're like, yeah. And we teach them the science. Other people think that the brown papers or unrefined papers are better. Yeah. And and the science behind it is what makes it brown is just an extra thing, an extra plant component that hasn't been removed. So you're just smoking more stuff. And so there's another mm-hmm. plant component that you're tasting. And then we looked into it further. A lot of people think it's lignans. So there's an, like there's cellulose that gives the plant strength. And then lignans is another component that gives plant strength. Paper is mostly cellulose, but in the brown papers, they're leaving an extra component lignans in there. And a lot of people attribute lignans to the smoky barbecue flavor you get. So it's really good to use wood chips to make smoky barbecue flavor, but you don't want that smoky flavor in a joint in your rolling paper. So, well, the rolling paper is so thin, it's sometimes hard to tell. It's not, it's by far not the biggest contributing factor to flavor. So people might be able to, you know, trick themselves, have that placebo effect and be like, oh yeah, the brown paper, the natural, quote unquote, natural paper is better. But it's it's really the white paper is the cleanest, has the least amount of stuff in it, and is going to give you the purest cannabis smoking experience. I had no idea because up until now, I always thought that um, I thought that if it was if it had that brown tint to it and it just clearly wasn't white, that meant that it was unbleached and it was like the cleanest, just the cleanest option for paper. Yeah, so like bleached is a misnomer too. Like maybe people were using bleach decades ago and maybe they use bleach in industrial paper making purposes but for cigarettes and rolling paper like bleach hasn't been used for decades um and even people in the paper industry still use the term bleach and unbleached just because it's easy and people know what it means but there's no bleach being used there hasn't been for decades um it's just stuck around that's wild do you think it's also just kind of like a like a marketing ploy too like even though like like for me for example for example like i had no idea and so if I see something that says unbleached, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like I'm going to go with that. Cause that's a cleaner, that's like a cleaner smoke. Yeah. That's all just marketing. That's like when people put that it's gluten-free and there was never gluten to begin with, <laughs> you know, people put gluten-free on a package of like a product that had no gluten, never had gluten, wasn't ever going to yeah. have gluten anyways. And it's just an, a little marketing thing. Yeah. That's super fascinating, man. Well, Hey, listen, if, um, I want to thank you for your time for all your insight and for joining the show for people who want to connect with you, learn more about custom cones or just get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to do so? Yeah. So custom is our website. Definitely hop on there, check out the products. We have a live chat. So you could chat us our phone number and email addresses on there too. sales at custom or support at custom You could look us up on LinkedIn or you could message me on LinkedIn, just Harrison Bard. You could find me and, and message me. I'm happy to help with anything None of our sales team is commissioned. We're all about educating the customer and providing them information. So call us, ask us questions. We're not going to try to sell you something that we think is not a good fit. Like it's not in our sales team's best interest to sell you the most expensive automated machine when we don't think that's the right fit for your company. So we're going to ask you the right questions, try to understand what stage you're at, what capabilities you have and, and how to best appropriately scale your company. So yeah, definitely feel free to reach out and talk to anyone from our team. That's amazing. That's great to know. 
All right, Harrison. Thanks again, man. Really, really appreciate it. And for the listeners, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. We will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.